How many people here presently, even the children, come from a family or came from a family where you had one or more brothers and sisters in your family? Okay, clearly the majority. Well, they say, I studied psychology in the seminary several different years, and there was a study that we did on family systems. That's what they called it, family systems. And uh, if you're a psychologist or a counselor here today, don't attack me too hard, okay? I'm going to give it the best I can. But family systems uh, just develop, and they happen naturally. So uh, one person, and it probably connects with their personalities, that they, they kind of discover that that's who they are in the family. Oftentimes there's a joker. Always has something funny to say, and everybody laughs at the joker. Then there's often a responsible person. And it's often the oldest person, the oldest brother or sister, because, well, they just assume that role real fast. They're responsible making sure everything happens. All the brothers and sisters do the right thing. Then there's the cynic or the sarcastic one who always has something sarcastic to say. Then there's the angry person. And anyway, there's a whole bunch of different roles. And these roles seem to just come out naturally, and people assume the role, and then they live it. And, and unfortunately, sometimes they have negative connotations, and then the person ends up feeling negative and gets a poor self-image over this. Well, Jesus, it seems to me, was not only a great teacher, I think he was one of the early psychologists in scriptures. He had a good sense about people and about roles that people played, and today's a perfect example. Uh, in this gospel today, and, and for the sake of visualizing this, let's say this side of the church are scribes and Pharisees. You're the religious people. You do all the services, you wear the right clothes, you eat the right food, you follow the right rules, um, but a whole bunch of you are angry people inside, and you're judging everybody, but you, but you know all the rules and you keep them. So everybody says, oh, they're the religious leaders, like a bunch of priests over here, and nuns maybe, okay, but not necessarily happy ones. Over here are the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Sorry, somebody has to be him. And all the sinners. All the sinners, okay? And now, Jesus makes the point at the end, really, but he makes a prior point, and this is the prior point. He says to this group, you can listen, but he says it to them, I want to have your opinion about this issue. There's a father with two sons, and the father says to one son, go out into the vineyard and work for me today. And he says, I will not. But later on, he feels guilty, I guess, and changes his mind. He listens to his heart, and he goes out and works for the father. Then this side turns to the other son and says, uh, go out and work in the field for me today, in the vineyard. And he said, okay, dad, I'll go. But they don't go. So then he asks the opinion, which one did the father's will? Can any of the children answer me? Who did what the father wanted? The first one or the second one? Okay, the first one. All right. Um, now, my observation of families, even my family, I was number five out of six. And the sixth one stole my role. I've told you this many times. I was king of the family for about three years. My dad would give me his, his pennies every day when he came from homework, only me. And I just thought I was the king until my little brother Goo Goo came along. His name was Larry, but we called him Goo Goo. My dad called him Goo Goo. So until he was 68, I called him Goo Goo all the time. I never called him by his first name. 
He stole my role. Um, but at any rate, um, in my family, it was probably me. But in many families, and it's usually more than one child anyway, where mom or dad says, go clean up your room. Why? Why do I have to? I don't want to. I know none of our children say that here, okay? It's the other parishes say that. I don't want to. But most parents know they're going to do it. But they always complain first. They always cry about it first. Or they'll say something like, why doesn't she have to do anything? Why doesn't he have to do anything? And they get the attitude. But, but most children will finally do what they're supposed to do. They know what's expected. But far worse than that, in my opinion, is the child that says, okay, mom, okay, dad, I'll do it. And then they don't do it. They just don't do it. Because if they repeat that day after day, year after year, they say yes, but don't do it, what do they turn into? People that don't follow through. People that don't do the job. They, they're nice. They tell you they'll do it, but then they don't come through. So Jesus paints that picture. So even these people who are so critical said, well, the first one did it. He complained, but he actually did it. This one didn't do it. So then we get to the real point. Jesus turns to them. Because you have to understand these leaders, they, they were religious. They came to all the Saturday, it was their Sunday, the Saturday services. They had dietary rules. They followed all the rules. They gave orders about everything. But they were always judging these people. They say, thank God we're not like those sinners over there, those tax collectors and prostitutes and yuck, those sinners. But they never listened to John the Baptist, nor did they listen to Jesus when he preached about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, he said, you know, you're like the one that says, I will do it, but you don't. And they're the ones who were sinners, I won't do it, but they had a change of heart because they listened not only with their ears, but their heart to John the Baptist, and they were able to change their ways. They listened to Jesus preach about the kingdom of God, and they said, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. So they changed their ways. So the scriptures today, all of the scriptures, they're basically saying the same thing. Do we listen with our hearts when Jesus speaks? Okay, I'll give you the hardest example. It's my favorite. It's Jesus on the cross. And because I go through the same litany, he gets accused falsely because he said, tear down the temple in three days, I'll build it up. And he was talking about his own body, the scriptures say. But they thought he was talking about the big temple that took years to build. So they accused him and accused him of blasphemy. And they accused him to, to be arrested and tried and put to death. They wanted him crucified. So he gets accused. He gets arrested. They stripped him off all of his clothes. They spit on him, spit in his face. They beat him. They, um, then they said, oh, you're a king, made fun of him, said, we'll give you a crown, but they made a crown of thorns, big thorns that they shoved into his head. Then they made him carry that big, heavy cross up a hill. Then they nailed him to the cross, nails through his feet and through his hands. Then they hung him up on the cross to die, and he's, his body weight was hanging on against those nails. And um, three hours he bled to death, slowly, as they made more fun of him. Kill him, crucify him. And of all the things he could have said, what did he say? Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. Forgive them all, Father. They know not what they do. 
Now, that's kingdom talk. And if we look at that cross and listen to those words, what does it do? Does it come to our ears and, and, and we just dismiss it? Or does it get into the heart and we say, oh, wow, that's what a kingdom person looks like. They forgive, they love, even people who hate them. Even people who hate them, they, they are able to say, God, forgive them. God, you love them. God, you help them. And it may not be that they want to be the best of friends or go out for pizza together, but they can pray for the person and not live in hate. And I believe that Jesus taught this not to try to please Jesus or to please God, but to help us to grow to be the best people we can be. Because look it, if somebody hates me, and then because of that I get hurt, and then I hate them back, they turned me into them. Or I let them turn me into them. I become as ugly as that person. And Jesus said, it doesn't have to be that way. What if instead of cursing and hating them, you bless them and love them? And loving them could just mean that you wouldn't want to try to hurt them, that you really would want good to happen for them, and that you would pray to God for them. That's amazing. That's amazing if you can do that in the face of somebody who's mean to you, bullies you, or hates you, that you don't become the hater that they are. Today, like always, Jesus comes to us, opens up his hand, and I think he has the key to life. He has the key to the kingdom of heaven. He says, you, you want to experience God and know God in your life powerfully? Then listen to these words that I preach. Listen to what I'm teaching. Listen to this story today. And learn how, even if you start by saying, no, I won't do it, learn how to let it into the heart and say, okay, I will. And let the heart be changed. Because when we do that, we actually find the kingdom of God in our lives. We actually find life.